You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. I'm going to say it one more time, but happy Father's Day. It's good to be a man, isn't it? Amen? Men? It's good to be a man. And women, you may be asking why. So I just, I wrote a quick little list for you so you would know why it's so great to be a man. Phone conversations are over in 30 seconds flat. A five-day vacation requires only one suitcase. When clicking through the channels, you don't have to stall at every shot of someone crying. Car mechanics tell you the truth. Gray hair and wrinkles only add character to men. If another guy shows up at the party in the same outfit, you might become lifelong friends. And the occasional well-rendered belt just practically expected. It's great to be a man. I was reading a story uh, about a new father this week, and it goes like this. He says, as ham sandwiches go, it was perfection. A thick slab of ham, a fresh bun, crisp lettuce, and plenty of expensive light brown gourmet mustard. The corners of my jaw were aching in anticipation. I carried it to the picnic table in our backyard, picked it up with both hands, but was stopped by my wife suddenly at my side, hold Johnny, our six-week-old son, while I get my sandwich, she said. I had him balanced between my left elbow and shoulder and was reaching again for the ham sandwich when I noticed a streak of mustard on my fingers. I love mustard. So I licked it off. It was not mustard. No man ever put a baby down faster. It was the first and only time I have sprinted with my tongue protruding. With a washcloth in each hand, I did a sort of routine shoe shine guys do, only did it on my tongue. Later, my wife said, now you know why they call that mustard poupon. How many of you know the day of the year where the most phone calls are made? It's Mother's Day. Mother's Day. The the most collect calls are made on Father's Day. But that's okay, because dads, we like to know that we're needed, right? And what comes around goes around. So there's going to be a day that we end up in some kind of nursing home facility, and we're going to be calling our kids collect. So we're going to get them back. It's just something that's going to happen. But what I've noticed throughout my years in, in church life is that most of the time on Father's Day, it's, it's more like a boot camp than some kind of honor type service that pastors like to tell dads and men, this is how you should live. This is the way you should behave. This is the stuff you should be doing. And this morning, I don't want to do that. What I want to do is I want to give you two very quick points of who you already are and what you're already doing. And I want to encourage you this morning. And just like Mother's Day, this isn't just for the guys in the room. This is also for you ladies, because you are also doing these things. We're going to jump around in Scripture just a little bit this morning, but really quickly, I want to to let you know that I appreciate you. And I told the women this, and I still appreciate you women, but I appreciate you guys. The Bible calls you the spiritual leader of your house. The Bible says that you are commanded to lead your house well and to to raise your kids up to know who God is. 
And I appreciate that about you, that that's your calling. And my prayer is that we all begin to live in that more and more and more. The first thing I want to tell you this morning that is that you are a living stone. You are a living stone. Now, most of you guys should have got this little bag of stones. They're rocks. We're going to say that they're stones. And what this is going to do this morning is I want this to be a representation of you and your life. And I want you to see that you are a living stone. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you're living life perfectly. It doesn't mean that you're the best dad. It doesn't mean that you're the best husband. It doesn't mean that you're even following Jesus very well at all. What it means is that you are a living stone, and we're going to see that in Scripture, and then we're going to see that there are some characteristics that go along with that that determine what type of stone you really are. So let's start in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 1 through 5, and it will also be on the screen this morning. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, and as you come to him a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray that this morning you speak through your spirit. God, I pray that the men in this room realize who they are in you. God, I pray that the women in this room also realize who they are in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Psalm 42, 1, it says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And we see that in this passage in 1 Peter, it says that we should long for the spiritual milk. And what that is, is the spiritual milk of the, of the word of God. And this, this word long means a, a passionate desire for something, something that we just can't really live without. It's something that we're just so passionate about that we would never forget about it. And what Peter is saying here is that, hey, you should long for the word of God. You should long for God's truth. You should long to be so intimate with God that nothing else could ever supersede that desire. And my question for you this morning is what desires in your life are you putting above your desire to be intimate with the Savior? Man, and that's a, that's a tough question because if we really think about it, we, we probably have a couple just right off the cuff. But then as we start really digging deep, our life can show us that there's, there's a lot more that we put above that desire. And some of you may be like me and you're like, hey, I don't like to read. So if you're talking about I have to open this book up and read it, it's probably not going to happen a whole lot. And that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is that God has told us who he is through his word. And his spirit reveals that to us constantly. That doesn't mean that you have to open this up and that you have to read it from cover to cover. What it means is that you have to desire to continue to know who God is. And the way to do that is through his word. And the way to do that is through community with other believers. And the way to do that is to constantly pursue after him. So are you desiring that this morning? Are you desiring the word of God, to get closer 
to him. Now, this is, I want you to be honest this morning because this is what's burdened me the last couple months is that we have people all around our community, all around our, our region, all around this country and all around the world who claim that they're chasing after Jesus and their lives show something completely different. And that burdens me because I realize that there has to be some sort of life change that happens when we begin to truly follow after the Savior of the world. And when there's no evidence of a life change, there's no fruit coming from that life, then the question then becomes, are you really connected to the Father? And we see in John 15 that abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is the living stone, the cornerstone. He's the one that holds it all together. And then you and me, we are living stones. And without him, we, we really have no purpose. We just stones just thrown in any kind of place. We need the stone, the cornerstone to hold everything together. In other words, we must be connected to him. We must be connected to the vine. We must be connected to the one true cornerstone. So that's the question this morning that we must answer. How connected are we? How connected are we to the Savior? And I, I really, man, I wish you could be in, in some of my, my prayer times. You probably don't because it's in my truck and I do swerve a little bit. So you're probably glad you're not with me. But I pray for protection as I'm praying. But man, my heart, it really breaks because in, in this country, in our culture, Man, following Jesus is, is just something that people say that they do so often without actually making the decision to follow after Jesus. Because they're supposed to do it. Or because it's just something that happens in the American church. People come down front and they say a prayer and they think that they're, they're good for the rest of their life and they never truly begin a relationship with Jesus. And I can't, in good conscience and being called by God to, to, to speak the truth, tell you that that's okay, because it's not. We must have a personal relationship with Jesus. We must be connected to the Father. We must be a stone that has an a anchor, and the anchor is Jesus. So as you think about your life this morning, you think about your desires, think about how you're connected to the vine. You're a, you're a living stone. But how well connected are you? Man, how are you raising your kids? Are you raising your kids to know who Jesus is? Or, or are you really living in a way that pushes them away from the truth of the Word of God? Are you loving your wife the way that God has told you to do so? In a way that you would lay down your life for her? Wives, are you loving your husband 
Understanding that God has put in a, a, a order in the household. It doesn't mean that you're inferior to your husband. It means that you, you honor and you, you help and you lift them up as they're doing the same thing for you. Are we doing those kind of things in our life? Or are we just simply coming to church on Sunday, being very comfortable, as comfortable as you can be in those plastic seats that you're sitting in? One day we'll have cushions. Praise God. But are you just doing what you're supposed to be doing in life? Now, you grew up in the South, and in the South, everybody goes to church. In the South, everybody, they show up to Sunday school, they show up to church, they go back to Sunday night service, they go to Wednesday night service, they go to every service that the doors are open for. That's what They're going to church. Man, and that's how I grew up. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that sometimes we get in a, in a place in our life where we think just showing up to church makes us a Christian. And we never begin to follow after Jesus. And there may be people sitting in this room that grew up in church and think, man, I grew up in church. I know all the stories. But you're not connected to God. The fruit in your life shows that you're, you're not connected to the Savior. And maybe you're, you're confused right now. Maybe you're thinking, well, okay, hold on, back up. I'm pretty sure that I made this decision. I said a prayer. I got baptized. I stayed in church. I've never killed anybody. I'm married, never cheated on my spouse. I even have some kids. They kind of love me. I think I'm doing pretty good. And I'm, man, that, that stuff is great. And I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. That if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, if you've never said, hey, I know that I am a sinner. And because of that sin, I deserve eternity in hell, separated from God. I know that. I admit that. And I also know that Jesus has done everything necessary for my salvation by being born of a virgin, by living a perfect life, by taking my place on a cross, by defeating death, and by ascending back into heaven to make intercession for us. And not only do I believe that, I'm committing my life to follow him wherever he's going to lead me. And that's the part I think we miss a lot of times as the church is that we can admit and we can believe. But when we got to start committing, man, things get a little bit shaky. How many of you have ever, now if you're married, you might not want to answer this question. How many of you have ever had a relationship where you were just scared to commit to someone? Man, I'm proud of y'all. Nobody raising your hand because everybody knew that whoever you married, that was it. There was no, no fear whatsoever. I, man, I love it. Y'all are, are spiritual. But here's the thing, man. We're, we're afraid of commitment. And it's not just in relationships. It's, it's just in life. We're afraid to commit to a certain job. We're afraid to commit to a certain church. We're afraid to commit to a certain serve team. We're afraid to commit to, to outreach things in the community. We're afraid to commit to being a parent. We're afraid to commit to 
to our, our kids and helping them in school and other things that they're going through. We are afraid of commitment because why? Because it puts us out of the focus. Because then it's not all about us anymore. Once we commit to something else, we're saying, hey, this something else is pretty important. Now, when I committed to, to marry my wife, I was saying, hey, she's pretty important. And I, I think she said that about me. I'm not sure. We're getting closer to that. But when we commit to something, we're saying, hey, I believe in this and I'm committed to, to live with you. I'm committed to follow you. I'm committed to, to give my life or to do whatever it is that this commitment calls of me. And God says, if you really want to follow after me, you will commit your life to me. You will lay down your life daily to follow after me. And I'm wondering if we're doing that. I'm wondering how connected we are to the vine. Because I think that a lot of times we give God the glory and we give God the praise and we say the words, but it's not really resonating within. Now we get a new job and we say, that was God, God did that. But do we truly believe that God did that? Or do we know it's just something we're supposed to say? Man, I was able to bless this family, and man, it's because of God that I was able to do that. And man, that's great. And it is because of God that you were able to do that. But are we just saying that because we know we're supposed to, or do we truly believe it because we're so connected to the vine that all of the fruit in our life is because of Him? Because there's a difference between good fruit and rotten fruit. Would you agree? I don't know if you've ever had rotten fruit. We have rotten fruit every week in my house. Now, it's not because our house is dirty or anything like that. It's because we still haven't figured out how to keep bananas ripe. So they always turn black. Always. Unless Alden eats them before we get there. But man, there's a difference between that, that nice yellow banana and the black one. There's just a difference. And there's rotten fruit in our lives and there's, there's good fruit that comes from the Spirit as well. What kind of fruit are you producing? And we're going to talk about that more next week as we continue on in our Galatians series. But here's the deal. How do we stay connected? We stay connected by, by faith. By faith. And we talked about, we talked about faith and how, how faith is, is something that is, is required. We have to have faith in order to really to live for Jesus. We see in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. I want you to hear something this morning. That living faith always leads to courageous action. That if your faith is alive, if your faith is active, then it's going to lead to courageous living. Moses refused. He refused to, to take part of, of the sinful life and all the pleasures that came from his bloodline and said, no, you know what? 
God is more valuable, that there's more wealth in following after God than there is in living a life full of sin and self-pleasure for the world. Can we say the same thing? Can we truly say it's better to live for God? I was talking to to Daniel earlier this week, and we were talking about how in this country, following Jesus is pretty simple. It's pretty comfortable. There's, There's freedom. Now, you may lose some popularity. You may get made fun of a little bit. But there's, there's some countries around the world who know when they decide to follow Jesus, they will probably be tortured and put to death. And they make the decision to follow Jesus anyway. The truth is that when, when we come down front and you get saved, right, we don't, we don't tell you that life's going to be horrible for you. From this point forward, we tell you, man, we're proud of you. We're celebrating with you. Here's some next steps you could take. And the church is going to come alongside you. And we're going to live in community. And we're going to do life together. We're going to help you become a disciple of Jesus. And all that sounds really life-giving and really comfortable. And that's the truth here in America. But in other countries, the pastors say something completely different. They say, hey, you know if you make this decision, then... There's probably people in this room that are taking your name. They're going to turn your name in and there's going to be people that come to your house and ridicule you, beat you, and probably kill you in front of your family. Is it worth doing that? You could lose your life if you make this decision to follow Jesus. Man, can you see me saying that to somebody that comes up here? In our, in our world, saying, hey, man, I'm glad you want to follow Jesus. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. That's why we have church. But you may die. Not may. You probably will die because there's people that are going to hate you. And they want to see you dead because of this decision. Man, it's hard for us to imagine that. But that happens all around the world. But guess what? They have a living faith. that creates courageous action. They say, I'm following Jesus because it's worth it. I'm following Jesus because it's worth, his wealth is is just valuable. It's valuable to become a co-heir of Christ. It's valuable to, to have a relationship with a God who loves me, a God who sent his son to die for me. And that's the, that's the relationship I want. That's the savior I want to follow. And I want to, I'll give my life for him. Would you make the same decision if you were in that position? Would I make the same decision? We don't have to make that decision here in America. But I believe because of our comfort, man, our faith is starting to lack because there's no persecution for us. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I got some persecution. People at the gas station yell at me for being a Jesus freak or whatever. Used to be one of my favorite songs, by the way. Y'all want me to sing it? Okay, I'm not going to sing it. That's not persecution. I just want to be honest with you. But somebody not liking you, man, that's not really, that's not really persecution. I mean, it's persecution. It's just not the level of persecution that a lot of people face. 
And if we can't stand up for Jesus in the, with the persecution that we face here in America, man, what does our faith really look like? Are we really connected the way that he's called us to be connected? The second thing we see about men, fathers, and even the women and mothers in this room, not only are you a living stone, but you are leaving stones. You are leaving stones. We see in Joshua chapter 3 and 4 that the, the Israelites were, were passing through the, the Jordan River and that God stopped the flowing of the river. And these, these guys were, were literally standing. I want you to think about this now. They were standing at the, at the, the bank of the river, a, a flowing body of water. That is full. And God said, hey, as soon as you guys put your feet in this water, I will dry it up and you can walk across. They put their feet in the water and the water is dry. This spot is dried up. The water is stopped so that they can walk through. And God tells Joshua, hey, I want you to get one representative, one man from each tribe. And I want you to tell them to grab a stone and I want them to, to lay stones here in the middle, so that when generations come, that you could tell them what God did for you. And we see just the, the ending of this in Joshua 4, verse 21. It says, And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. They laid these stones so people that came behind them, after them, generations to come would say, hey, what are these stones for? And then they could tell them the story of God's provision and God's protection, and God's love, and God's mercy, and God's grace. And I want you to know something this morning, that whether you believe it or not, you are leaving stones. Maybe the stones are bad, or maybe the stones are good, but there's generations that are coming after you that are looking at what you are leaving. You are leaving a legacy. But what type of legacy depends on you? So this morning, as we close, I just, I want you to, to look at this. There's 12 stones in this bag. And I want you to know this morning that whether you want to or not, that you are leaving stones. That you are leaving some type of legacy for your children and their children and their children and what better legacy to leave than to say, hey, here's the stones that, that I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave a, a stone that says I'm chasing after Jesus with everything that I am. I'm going to leave a, a stone that, that shows that God is the most important person in our life. I'm going to leave a stone that shows that, man, I'm going to love my wife like I'm supposed to love my wife. I'm going to leave a stone that shows that I'm raising my kids up to know who God is. I'm going to leave a stone that says I love people because God loves people. What kind of stones are you leaving? Because you're leaving stones.
And this, man, although it's just a little wedding bag, that's what this is, with some rocks in it. I want you to take this home with you. I want you to put this in your truck. I want you to put this in your car. And when you see these rocks, I want you to remember that you're a living stone. And unless, that, unless you're connected to the cornerstone, then the purpose that you have for your life is, is missing. It's missing something. But not only that, that you're leaving stones everywhere you go. Man, and luckily for me, fortunately for me, I've had some, some great people in my life who have laid some amazing stones. And I've got to see how God has provided, how God has worked. But I've also seen the other side of that. I've seen some, some pretty bad stones that people have left. And what about you? This morning, what kind of stones are you leaving for the next generation? Because it's important that you realize that no matter what, you're leaving a stone. It's up to you what kind of stone you leave. Here's the last two verses I want to read to you this morning. It's found in Ezekiel. And God's looking for somebody to, to be righteous. In this moment, this 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 area, this this region is is going crazy. They're sinning, they're they're hurting people, they're mistreating people. Verse twenty nine of chapter twenty two in Ezekiel says this: Even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy, and deprive foreigners of justice. Verse thirty: I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched. For someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. God searched this entire region and found no one who could stand in the gap for these people. No one who was chasing after him. Do you want to be someone that God can, can rely on? If God was searching America for someone to stand up for the righteousness of God, to stand in the gap for the people of this country, would He be able to call you out and say, hey, you are the one. You are the one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to be the one because you are living for me because you were chasing me or would he look around this this country and say i look for this person but i found no one i want to be someone that god can find i want my life to be so in just encompassed by the spirit that when God looks for someone, he can say, I found him. And I want him to say the same thing about you. That he's looking around and he says, hey, I found that person. And this person's leaving 
a legacy. This person's leaving stones that represent me and who I am and how I love. Is that you this morning? Man, it's time that we take it seriously. Because I think many times that we just play this, this church thing and we play this Jesus thing and, and salvation isn't something to play with. It's, it's serious because it, it changes the world. One individual at a time. My prayer for each person in this room is that our relationship with Jesus takes its next step, that it moves up a notch, that it moves up a level, that we realize this is something to be serious about. I want to be someone that God says, I found the person. I found the person to stand in the gap. Are you that person? What kind of stones are you leaving? How, how connected are you to the Father? Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.